Welcome to Pushback. I'm Aaron Maté. Haitian President Jovenel Moise is facing a wave of popular protest as he tries to cling to power. Moise's term was supposed to expire earlier this month, but he says he really belongs in office for another year. In response, Haitians have taken to the streets in protest and Moise has cracked down, repressing demonstrations and rounding up opposition figures as well as a top judge. Although Haitians have taken to oppose Moise's power grab, he does have one powerful ally. In Washington, the Biden administration has backed Moise's claim that he can stay in office for another year and even downplayed the scale of the protests against him. The Biden administration's support for Jovenel Moise is in line with U.S. policy going back two centuries. For a long time, the U.S. has stood against popular movements in Haiti and in lockstep with right-wing forces. Well, joining me is Daoud Andre. He is a Haitian radio host and activist. Daoud Andre, welcome to Pushback. Thank you, Aaron. I greet you and your audience. So for people who have not been following what's been happening in Haiti, it hasn't gotten so much attention. Can you catch us up on what is behind the protests we're seeing right now? Well, for some of us, uh, Aaron, uh, Jovenel Moise never really had a mandate. Jovenel Moise is a product of fraudulent elections that happened in, they were so bad in 2015, they had to be thrown out. They were done again in 2016. And uh, to give you an example, even the uh, electoral council that did this uh, uh, sham election, they say that in this country of 12 million people, only about 500,000 people voted for Jovenel Moise. So this is someone that we, I'm a part of an organization called Comocoda, that's the Committee to Mobilize Against Dictatorship in Haiti. We've always used that fact as the basis to say that Jovenel Moise is not the legitimate, a legitimate president of our country, Haiti. In 2010, the year of the earthquake, the Democratic administration, U.S. administration of Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and the Clintons, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State at the time, and I cannot not mention Bill Clinton, who Hillary had installed as head of the Earthquake Reconstruction Committee, all of them, they colluded to have a fraudulent election to place a degenerate, a man named Michel Martelly, a sweet Mickey, his stage name. People can look him up and see what his record was. But this was the person that the U.S. administration had handpicked to lead Haiti. And we have to say we call for the freedom, the liberation of Julian Assange because of his work at WikiLeaks. He allowed us to see the emails in a workings 
coming up to this election and what happened afterwards, where you had Hillary Clinton congratulating her staff on doing such great elections. They're the ones who did this election. They picked the candidates that went to the second round, Milan Maniga and Michel Martelly. They called them the MMS. And they also picked uh, the results. They decided what the results were. And uh, uh, Michel Martelly himself, he, with the collaboration of the U.S. again, handpicked Jovenel Moïse that no one knew. They claimed he was a banana uh, a farmer, which was false. They claimed he was an entrepreneur, which was false. But uh, they set up the scenario that they needed to set up and they installed him in power. So from the time Martelly was in power, there have been huge protests going on in Haiti, be it around uh, the illegitimacy of these two individuals, around the corruption that was going on, to the point that Martelly uh, assassinated a judge, Serge Joseph is his name, who was presiding over corruption trial for his wife, Sofia Martelly, and his son, Olivier Martelly. So uh, the people were protesting as well over uh, jailings. People were uh, peasant leaders were put in jail, such as uh, Matilones Lamy, who was the uh, vice president of Copi Combit Paysan Ilavash, Ilavash is a, a island off the coast of Okai that uh, the uh, Martelly people and the U.S. administration decided they wanted this island to be a tourist haven. And they were selling uh, land on this island that was occupied by Haitians. And uh, the president of Kopi, eventually, McDonald Lene, was assassinated himself by the Martelly government. So protests never stop. When Jovenel took over, protests continue. Here in New York, in our organization, Komokoda, we protested Jovenel's, Moise's installation on February 4th, 2017, before he was imposed on our people as president of the country. Huge, huge protests uh, happened in July, July 6th and 7th, 2018, when Jovenel tried to impose IMF austerity measures in the country. And for a while, you know, uh, Jovenel went into hiding. So now uh, the present season that we and protests have not stopped since then, what they call the pays lock, where the country was completely locked down by the people. Now, what Jovenel has done with the support of the U.S. administration is uh, return, uh, remobilize the Haitian army parts of the Haitian army, certainly not the same people who were there before. He's organized uh, the police that's there, which was already uh, a, a police force that was 
created, funded, armed by the U.S. government and trained by the Canadians into death squads. And the gangs are federated in the country. There is something called the G9. It's a group of nine gangs in different popular neighborhoods. And these are young men who, of course, have nothing, no jobs. They have no, there's no schooling. There's no nothing for them to do. So the government, the people in power put guns like machine guns in their hands. And there have been multiple massacres in the popular neighborhoods. This is the places that are always uh, form the bulk of demonstrations to oust Martelly, to oust Jovenel Moise, to stand with the popular movement, especially President Aristide, uh, who is still very popular in the country. And uh, of course, as you, you said, uh, you know, uh, he has the U.S., U United States, he has the United Nations, the OAS, well, I, I cannot say he has, the U.S. has the U.N., the OAS, and uh, they used to call themselves the Friends of Haiti, but after the earthquake, they formed into this cabal, it's like a union uh, called the core group. The core group in Haiti, this is the representatives of the UN Security, uh, UN Secretary General, who's a puppet of the United States, the representatives of the OAS uh, that Fidel Castro called the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the United States, the ambassadors of the United States, Canada, France, European Union, Germany, Spain, and Brazil. So this is what has allowed Jovenel Moise uh, and Martelly to uh, stay in power. And right now, this is uh, the reason he is still there. So uh, for us, uh, for many of us in the opposition to the U.S. policy in Haiti, Jovenel Moise never had a mandate. But the, a part of the resistance of the opposition in Haiti, they are going by the constitution, a constitution that was amended by Michel Martelly, that says that his mandate was to end February 7th. And uh, Jovenel Moïse says, no, it's five years. He came on in uh, 2017. So he's going to give up power in 2022. The reality is Jovenel Moïse knows so well what's in this constitution that they are using that last year he disbanded the parliament by the same rules that people are saying, the opposition is saying he must leave right now. So it was good for the parliament to get rid of the parliament but it's not good for him. What we believe is that Jovenel Moïse has no intention to go anywhere. Jovenel Moïse is not going to be able to hold his, he says in April, there will be a, 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 a referendum and a new constitution that uh, what's coming out of this proposal right now is that he will be able to run for a consecutive mandate. Mm 
Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we're looking at it is that Jovenel Moise is planning to have another term and to keep power as long as he can, as long as he is handlers. You know, the people who are backing him up, uh, Martelly called them the heavyweights because Martelly said he doesn't care about protests in the streets of Haiti so long as the heavyweights support him. So, so long as the heavyweights support him, Jovenel Moïse plans to stay in power. Another point that I'd like to make around that is, unfortunately, many people, in and out, Haitians in and out of Haiti, especially out of Haiti, were deluded into thinking that Jovenel Moïse was a puppet of Donald Trump. Whereas the reality is that Jovenel Moïse is a puppet of the United States government. As I said before, Martelly was installed by Barack Obama, Joe Biden administration with Hillary Clinton as their secretary of state. Jovenel Moïse, the election that he, he supposedly won was uh, rigged under the same Democratic administration of Barack Obama and Joe Biden. So Joe Biden is a friend of puppets, U.S. puppets all over the world. And folks watching this program certainly know what he said that he did in Ukraine to get, you know, a prosecutor handling the case of his son fired. So we we understand why Edward Price at the State Department two Fridays ago, well, last, yeah, two Fridays ago, Friday the 5th of February, made the statement on behalf of the Biden administration that Jovenel Moise's term will end on February 7, 2022, effectively giving Jovenel Moise the green light to arrest a Supreme Court judge yeah, because in your opening, you said a judge. This is a Supreme Court judge that Jovenel Moïse arrested eh, on the 7th. Eh, eh, you know, in his bed. He was asleep in his bed eh, Saturday the 6th to the 7th. And uh, uh, a death squad, military, armed gangs, in and out of uniform, broke into the house and he arrested the, this man, Ivikel da Brazil, along with, a, they said, 23 other people. Who is, and the judge has since been released, but the damage... He was released, yes, yes, of the, course. But the damage has been done with, as you said, Ned Price siding with Moise and saying that he can stay in office for another year. Let me ask you, you mentioned before the WikiLeaks cables and what they revealed about U.S. meddling in Haiti. Another major revelation was that the U.S. fought very hard to depress the Haitian minimum wage, telling Haitians basically to live on $3 a day. What are some of the things that the U.S. has gotten from Jovenel Moise uh, in return for its support? You know, uh, the biggest thing has been uh, Jovenel Moise joining uh, on behalf of Haiti, joining what is called the Lima Group. Uh, this is the cabal of puppet governments in the Americas 
who uh, declared that you know uh, Juan Guaido uh, was president of Venezuela. Now, this is an especially shameful uh, incident, and for many of us in Haiti, this is the most shameful act that U.S. puppet uh, Jovenel Moise has done. Even the puppet Martelly, you know, uh, he wore a red shirt, you know, <laughs> to go to Venezuela to uh, uh, Hugo Chavez's funeral, you understand? <laughs> so for Jovenel Moise to betray Venezuela, uh, Nicolas Maduro was a shameful act uh, for Haitians to the point that uh, 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 our organization, Komokoda, we held a protest, uh, a solidarity protest in front of the uh, Venezuelan consulate uh, in New York City before it was taken over by uh, you know, the U.S. and handed over to other to Guaido's people. Now, the relationship between Venezuela and Haiti is as old as Haiti, because uh, when Jean-Jacques Dessalines uh, liberated our country in 1804, uh, the next year, uh, Francisco Miranda, uh, who uh, was struggling alongside Simon Bolivar, came to Haiti in search of support for liberation movement. And Jean-Jacques Dessalines gave aid and support to Bolivar, to Miranda. Later on, Bolivar himself came and lived in Haiti for some time. The flag of Gran Colombia, that the area was called at the time, that was to be liberated by Bolivar, so uh, we understand that the flag, the first flag, was sewn in Jacmel, a coastal town, a city in Haiti. Now, uh, and relationships have been uh, uh, very strong over the years. Even when you had puppet governments, U.S. puppet governments in Venezuela, uh, and a coup happened, the first coup against President Aristide in 1991, September 30th, 1991, Venezuela opened its doors to welcome President Aristide. So, and of course, Hugo Chavez, when he came to power, the solidarity, there's no, I mean, I don't know what we can say about the relationship between Hugo Chavez and Haitians. And the one time he visited Haiti, it was like a, a euphoria in the streets. Like he, he had to get out of his car and uh, against the wishes of his security and walk from the airport to the slums of Cité Soleil with the Haitian people who came to welcome him. Now, you know that when President Preval was in power... Rene Preval, who was Aristide's successor. Yes. The second time, of course, 2007, Preval, despite strong U.S. pressure, Preval joined the movement that allowed... Haiti to be a part of the Petro-Caribe program. This is a program where Venezuela 
sold a, we don't want to say gave, but we're going to say sold fuel a, to Haiti, among other countries, at prices that were much less than the going rate on the international market. And Haiti only had to pay half of the money for this fuel. In addition, the other half was for a long-term loan. I don't remember if it was exactly maybe 25 years loan that was, I think, at 1% interest. And the idea was for Haiti to use this money for the development of our people, to build schools, hospitals, infrastructure, to get the country out of the what you know your president called the shithole reality that Haiti exists in as a result of U.S. and France a French policy. Now, I should tell you, in addition to all of this, to all all of this support, Cuba had a, a since. President Aristide was leaving power in 1995, 96. Preval came on. Now, President Aristide restored diplomatic relations with Haiti and under President Preval's with, with first Cuba. government. Cuba, I'm sorry. Yeah. Under President Preval's first government, Cuba started sending medical brigades to Haiti to help with health. Because, uh, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think it's something like 25 doctors, that's today, for every 100,000 people in Haiti. So uh, this was a dire situation. And with Venezuela's support, Cuba was able to get resources to help people in the field of health in Haiti. So when Jovenel Moïse turned his back, and I should say he did this, he recognized Juan Guaido just a couple of months after he had personally traveled to Venezuela to ask for a loan multi-million dollar loan from President uh, 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 Maduro. Maduro. That Maduro gave to him, of course, you know? And and Jovenel Moïse was also implicated in corruption around this, right? He personally profited from stealing this. not just him, but certainly uh, the Martelli administration squandered, you know, uh, it's about $2 billion dollars that Haiti still had from that other half of the Petro-Caribe money that was absolutely stolen, you know, and there are the the court in Haiti that investigated this, implicated not just Martelly, people in Martelly's government, but Jovenel Moïse through many, many different uh, programs that uh, Jovenel Moïse had, uh, something called Agritrans, that he had something, uh, money to build roads, 
he even signed some of these contracts as an engineer. And Jovenel Moise is not an engineer. Jovenel Moise, you know, never went to school for engineering. But this document, this contract that he signed with the Martelli government as an engineer is there. So uh, since before he came to power, many of us, we said this is a crook. This is somebody who's laundering money. This is someone who is, uh, he was brought by Martelly, and since we know what Martelly is and what Martelly represents, we cannot uh, give any value to someone that Martelly is bringing on. So uh, when, uh, uh, why the, a lot of protests uh, in Haiti have happened during his term uh, after these reports were issued. And he's someone that the, you know, the entire, he has no credibility in the country. And as, as you said, the only ally, the, the sure, certain ally that Jovenel Moïse has, and the only reason he is still there in Haiti is because of the United States, who continues to furnish a Jovenel Moïse with guns, with tear gas, with a, you know, a hardware for his a, three armed a, a units, the, the, the police force, a, the army, the remobilized army, and the street gangs that he controls. The U.S. has also sent Haitians back to Haiti, people seeking asylum, in the U.S., there was a plane that included uh, several children that landed back in Haiti recently. As I understand it, the Biden administration has since suspended these deportation flights to Haiti. What can you tell us about that? Well, it, it, not exactly. He's not exactly suspended them. Now, it, and it's very interesting that this happened. Again, many people in the United States it, and some in Haiti too, I suppose, imagine that a U.S. policy it might be different from Trump to Biden or from Obama to Trump. And the reality of these deportations you're talking about shows exactly the racism that, you know, from the first U.S. immigration laws against the Chinese, you know, to what's going on today, nothing has changed. Joe Biden, just like Donald Trump, would prefer immigrants from Sweden. I think that's where he said he wanted. Was it Sweden or some other Nordic country? I don't remember. But it's the same policy. Now, as soon as Joe Biden took power, we know that Trump was a... a, a you know, eh, we call him a guomoso. Guomoso is like someone who's just vulgar, you know? Eh, but for us, something we've always said at Komokoda and eh, in our eh, activities is that Donald Trump follows in line of every U.S. president since George Washington. Someone who believes that the United States is and should be on top of the whole world. Everyone, every country needs to be on their knees in front 
before to kneel before the United States. Every country needs to follow the dictates of the United States. And that's not different from Bill Clinton to Barack Obama to George Bush to Donald Trump and to Joe Biden, who's been, as we know, in Washington since, I understand, more than 47 years now. Now, we've played this clip on our radio program. Of It's a 1994 clip of Joe Biden in an interview with Charlie Rose, where Joe Biden says, you know, there's a newspaper editor that sent a journalist to speak to him. Uh, Why is Joe Biden so concerned about Bosnia and not Haiti? And he explains that, you know, Bosnia (laughs) is of concern, but if to U.S. interests, but if Haiti were to sink, if the Caribbean Sea would open up and Haiti would sink to the bottom, you know, nothing would, it wouldn't hurt the interests of the United States. If Haiti, a god-awful thing to say, if Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet, it wouldn't matter a whole but lot in terms of our interests. The- so this is racism, and in reality, for many of us, this is more racist than, and more, more inhumane than Donald Trump calling Haiti and is these other African, Latin American countries a shithole. It's a message to our liberal friends who, you know, vilify Donald Trump while they embrace someone like Joe Biden or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton. Now, Joe Biden is supposed to have signed a decree, executive order, they call it over here, to stop deportations until policy is reviewed for the first 100 days. But what we understand is that there was some 70-year-old policy health a related U.S. law that allowed a, a, what's his name, a Donald Trump to continue the deportations. And it's this same rule that Joe Biden is using, Joe Biden's administration is using to continue these deportations you speak of. Supposedly, it's about 1,800 people from Haiti supposedly to protect them against COVID-19, who are at the border, Mexican border or whatever, so that are in line to be deported during these 100 days of Joe Biden. So this week, we understand that there were days after this plane load of people, including a seven, they said 72 people, including more than 20 children and babies who were sent back to Haiti, that a, these people are scheduled to be deployed. There were days this week that two planes a, were sent to Haiti in one day, a, deporting people, Haitians. And a, there are people there's this case of this young man who was in the news a lot, who Trump tried to deport 
the Tuesday before the Wednesday that he, he, he handed over power. He was taken off the plane on Tuesday, and within days of Joe Biden taking power, that same week, he was sent to Haiti. This young man, Pierre Luce is his name, was not born in Haiti. He, I understand he was born in either Guadeloupe or Martinique. Oh, no, I'm sorry, St. Martin, he was born. Two Haitian parents, but had been living here for many, many years in the United States. And despite the fact that he was not born in Haiti, he was not a Haitian citizen, Joe Biden deported him to Haiti. So uh, we we want people to understand that uh, uh, in Haiti, as Haitians, we don't expect any changes uh, to U.S. policy with regard to immigration, with regard to uh, to uh, you know uh, violence in Haiti, with regard to you uh, you know garbage like Jovenel Moïse. If from Trump to Joe Biden, we believe it's the same policy that is happening. I wanted to ask you more about President Aristi, the former president, John Matron Aristi. As you said, he's been overthrown twice in two U.S.-backed coups, the first in 1991 under George H.W. Bush, shortly after Aristi was elected in Haiti's first free elections, the second coup in 2004 under George W. Bush. Since returning to Haiti, am I correct to say that Aristide has been relatively quiet politically, or is that missing something? He's very vocal, I should oh, say. Okay. The fact is, since he's returned, he's a, 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 a restored his university that is full of young Haitians studying for different things. He, his foundation is fully functional. The political party, Famila Valas, is functioning. And he has a radio station that is called Radio Timun, Radio Tele Timun. There's a television branch as well that is uh, uh, online. <laughs> People can listen to it. And every day there's programming uh, a, what I can say, they, they call it decolonizing a, the minds of Haitians. So a, while President Aristide himself might speak once or twice a year, his radio program, his voice is a, connecting with the lives of Haitians inside and outside of Haiti every day. As a matter of fact, a, a, we, I, I listen to it all the time, and there are radio stations in, in New York, in different parts of the diaspora, and Haiti as well, different parts of Haiti, who rebroadcast, they, they relay the uh, programming of Radio Timun. So uh, people, uh, there are some people who want to say, you know, he's under house arrest, or he's been ordered by the United States not to speak. But I can tell you that he remains the most popular politician in Haiti right now, to the displeasure of many people. And, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the country connects with uh, very well. The poor, I should say, the poor. 
within the elite and within some people who like to think of themselves as middle class who are looking for favors from the United States, you know, of course, they know that the United States hates President Aristide with a passion. Uh, again, I have to tell you that the tukus happen under uh, these administrations that you speak of, the two Bushes, father and son. But when it was time for President Aristide uh, to come back, in 1994, the administration of Bill Clinton imposed, a, you know, such a, a inhumane conditions. A, the, we saw Bill Clinton apologizing for a, a, a imposing on President Aristide conditions that destroyed the primary agricultural a product of Haiti. This is the rice. Haitians who can eat rice every day. And uh, Bill Clinton said he did that to the benefit of Arkansas rice farmers. That's the reality of Bill Clinton. It has not worked. It's maybe been good for some of my farmers in Arkansas, but it has not worked. It was a mistake. It was a mistake that I was a party to. I am not pointing the finger at anybody. I did that. I had to live every day with the consequences of the lost capacity to produce a rice crop in Haiti to feed those people because of what I did. Nobody else. Thank you for correcting me there. I'm happy to hear that about our state. I didn't realize that. And so pardon my uh, Western, or, you know, uh, Northern <laughs> ignorance. <laughs> but, you know, and it's funny. You mentioned the WikiLeaks cables. It reminds me of another very uh, telling one, which was a cable from uh, U.S. officials inside of Haiti, which included the header, Aristide movement must be stopped. And <laughs> part of what they were so worried about is they say, quote, that there was a poll that showed, quote, that Aristide was still the only figure in Haiti with a favorability rating above 50%. And it's still the same today, Aaron. Yeah. And that is the problem. You understand? That is the problem. This, is, this was the problem for the United States in the first occupation of Haiti in 1915 to 1934. The United States could not get Haitians to play baseball. And this disturbed them. You understand? <laughs> it's like you. Uh, there is a Haitian historian named Jacques Azimir that folks should read. Uh, and also they should read uh, uh, Michel Wolf to Yo's book, Silencing the Past, uh, <laughs> that uh, Amanda Gorman said she was reading at the time uh, she performed for uh, Joe Biden. But uh, Jacques Azimir uh, uh, writes very interesting things about the uh, the the Gramunite, like the the you I don't want to say humanity because it's not humanity. It's it's the the will of people. It, he explained that just because you are enslaved does not mean that you are a slave. The slave is the person who accepts this identity, who accepts this condition. And what what was going on 
in Saint-Domingue, we, we, the French colony of Saint-Domingue, before our ancestors liberated it, militarily liberated it. We were not gifted freedom in Haiti. It is that these white colonists, they couldn't sleep with both eyes closed because they understood that it was a powder keg, that at any moment it would explode. And this is the, the situation of Haiti today. I do a, a weekly, a, twice a week radio program in, in New York that is called it means the heirs, the children of Jean-Jacques Dessalines, our liberator. And that's the, the condition is a, that we have today. The United States has done everything imaginable to get the people of Haiti to turn away from a President Aristide, that the people understand is, you know, I would say one of the very, very few politicians, he was not a politician, that despite, you know, whatever difficulty problem you could have with something that happened, that embraces their misery, that he, he wants to get them out of the shithole reality that they, and the, the, the audience will excuse me for a, keep, you know, repeating this. It's like uh, <laughs> I was watching uh, uh, a latest uh, video with uh, some people, some of your friends with uh, Glenn Greenwald, and he was saying how they refuse, you know, it's like it's a sin to repeat the word nigger on, on a, a, in, in official dumb, you know? But the fact is, this is reality. Haiti, when you look at the reality in Haiti right now, you know, you, it's like you're a hypocrite if you don't say the word shithole like Donald Trump is said to have said. Because, but in all our protests at Komokoda, we carry a sign that says Haiti is a shithole because the crooks in power are puppets of the U.S. government. And it says Haiti... And we have so many countries with their flags, we say, turned into a shithole by France and the United States, the case of Haiti, for El Salvador, turned into a shithole by Spain and, and uh, the others by Portugal, by England, by all of these European colonial powers. So the, the fact is, we understand the reality of Haiti and the Haitian people fight every day to change this reality. But what the US, the United States, uh, people over here need to understand that missionaries going to Haiti is not going to change that reality. It might, you know, lift you up, make you think that, you know, you're doing something good while you're investing in Wall Street, you know, in companies that, you know, further this condition uh, that, creates a need for you, like you might be part of an NGO and you go, you build a little school, a little uh, clinic somewhere, but that's not going to change the reality of people who are 
uh, oppressed in, in Gaza or in, uh, I don't know, in Zimbabwe, anywhere else. What's going to change it is when people over here in the United States, in these centers uh, of power, uh, understand that this condition is intrinsically tied to the things that they want, the money, the lifestyle, you know, the electricity 24-7, the, I know there are poor people, poverty in the United, know too well about poverty in the United States and these other places, you know, where, you know, you have people sleeping in the streets practically outside the White House over here. But the disparity, you know, like uh, Bezos, you know, Bill Gates, you know, <laughs> having all of this money, you know, that, uh, 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 what's his name, the other open society, Soros, Soros. <laughs> with all of their money, ill-gotten money, ill-gotten resources, and they're doing these pet projects, you know, to bring water to what they're calling the third world. This is not going to change anything. And I think that uh, for uh, the, the long running of the world, of the planet, of people, you know, I think the people in the centers of power have to take some level of responsibility to say that we understand this is being done in our name. Daoud Andre, radio host, activist with the Committee to Mobilize Against Dictatorship in Haiti. Thank you. And let me also thank our mutual friend, Margaret Kimberly of Black Agenda Report, who connected us. Uh, I'm, so thank you, Margaret, for making this happen. And I urge anyone who follows the gray zone, if you don't know Black Agenda Report, uh, check that out as well. Daoud, thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. And uh, we thank uh, Margaret uh, as well. Thank you very much.